Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. For Project Spurs, I'm Paul Garcia, and this is the Spurs Cast. In today's episode, I'll be speaking with Project Spurs writers Colin Reed and Benjamin Bornstein about the Spurs' final preseason game, the starting five, and Zach Collins' contract extension. Let's go ahead and jump right into this episode. Welcome, everyone. Um, ben, it's been a while since I've talked to you, man. It's been since about draft time. How have you been? Uh, already drafting for 2024. That's how I'm doing. Okay, and hey, man, the Spurs probably gonna have two two first round picks in that draft, so you know that's something to look forward to. Uh, Colin, you're to Toronto. Yeah, there you go. Yes, Toronto. Actually, they can't be better. Uh, they can't bottom out in the bottom six, and then they get to keep that pick. So they, the Spurs got to watch out for that. Uh, Colin, you were on here two weeks ago. How have you been? I, I've been good, but I do want to say I think that you are shortchanging the Charlotte Hornets. You know, their title run is going to give the Spurs a third first round draft pick. That's how much I don't believe in that Charlotte pick. <laughs> under the season is that I didn't even mention them because yes that is a possibility if they do well they the Spurs will get their pick but it, I don't think they're going to do well that well so yeah guys all right so let's go ahead and jump right into this episode so um we're just gonna we're, let's first begin with that final preseason game that was uh that took place on on Friday um on the road in San Francisco against the Golden State Warriors so the Spurs uh defeated the Warriors by five points that night they started their new big lineup once again we're going to talk about that lineup in a bit Wemby had a great night you know you saw him buzzing on social media 19 points five blocks and let's just talk about who he blocked he blocked Andrew Wiggins three times. He blocked Clay Thompson one time. He blocked Stephen Curry one time. Two of the greatest shooters here. He got two blocks in preseason games. And then he grabs four rebounds. Uh, we also saw Wemby. He started at the four, but he also played some five in this game. And what I really want to talk about here is that five-minute stretch that had everyone you know, talking about this on social media. Let's go to that five-minute stretch in the first quarter. He makes a 19-foot step-back jump shot. He blocks an Andrew Wiggins three. He gets a steal in a passing lane. He, he makes another 19-foot pull-up jumper. Then here's where the sequential play happened for about two minutes where he makes an eight, uh, an eight foot floating jumper almost behind the backboard and he gets fouled by clay and still makes the shot. He makes the and one play. Then he blocks clay on a three. He gets the ball on the other end. Two Warriors players kind of fly by him and he dunks it with two hands. And then um, they're, they're, then the last play of the first quarter is when Andrew Wiggins kind of like tries to cross him from the left side, takes him out around to the right side. And Wemby just kind of swats his mess. And yeah, man, there was a play. It was like later in the game with like Wiggins, that like got his third block by his third shot blocked by Wemby. And he just like looked de- dejected. He just like had his shoulder slumped. Um, ben, what were, what were your thoughts on that final Spurs preseason game, especially Wemby's highlight plays? That's uh Man, that stuff is just ridiculous. There's, there is no way that Victor Wembanyama is human. I just, there's no other way to say it. It's just, it's crazy. I mean, you're talking about he blocked a, a three point shot, which is incredibly rare already, and then he made it look so easy. Like, oh yeah, I do this all the time. I'm going to get like three blocks a game this way, um, and then he just like he made Andrew Wiggins's personal you know highlight reel it's it's unbelievable i mean it's preseason so you know i don't know how hard everyone was really playing for the warriors especially knowing that draymond green wasn't playing you know they're going to be they're without him tonight recording on you know opening night 
but um, I mean, it's it's definitely a good sign. He was taking it seriously. He wasn't, you know, lollygagging or whatever. So it's good. I would love to see it more in the regular season. I, you know, I don't, I don't know how people are going to game plan around him. I mean, Colin was saying off air, you know, the rookies tend to hit, you know, around that, what was it? 30, 35 game mark. And they, you know, there's a bit of a drop off. So I'm, I'm curious if that happens for Wembenyama. Okay. So Colin, what, what was, what stuck out to you in that game in that final preseason game with Wemby? Yeah, I think so. In that five minute stretch, it was one of those things where you just start like you're watching it and then you see the plays individually at first. Mm-hmm. And then you notice that they're all happening in this like sequence and you're like, okay, wait, what's, what's happening. And then it's another block and then in a three, you know, and it's just like, it, it's, it is um, a lot of fun. I, Bamani Jones had like a little video segment about uh, Victor Wimanyama on his show recently. And he mm-hmm. brought up a point that I really, really like where he's saying like, okay, we get so into, I want this guy to succeed. I want this guy to fail. You know, I think he's going to win this many championships. I think he's going to be a bust. And he was like, he's just fun to watch. Like, we don't have to even do any of that stuff. It's like, can we just appreciate that this is a fun basketball player to watch? And that, I think, has been one of the nicest things for me. You know, I'm going to analyze this team no matter what. Like, we analyzed them last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, having a, a a fun basketball player who's doing things like this on a nightly basis uh, does make that much more enjoyable, I will say. Yeah, that, that stretch was was pretty crazy and definitely was immediately texting some family members to see if they were also watching. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, we're about to, we're about, we're getting ready for 82 games, you know, watching Victor, victory kind of just surprise us almost every night. Like there's going to be a guaranteed highlight play, you know, one to three per game is what we're seeing here, even, you know, regardless, you know, if the Spurs are winning or losing. All right, guys. So one thing I, that I mentioned earlier was about this new starting five that the Spurs have um, where, where they're going to play that big lineup of Jeremy Sohan, who's six, eight at the point. Devin Vassell, 6'5 at the two, Keldon Johnson at the three at 6'5, Wemby at seven foot three at the four, and then Zach Collins, six foot eleven at the five. So I talked about this this new lineup when the Spurs rolled it out last week, this new lineup. But but Colin, you and I had been talking about different lineups and things like that. And now that we know the answer of, of what the starting lineup is, what have been your thoughts? And then after that, Ben, if you can give your thoughts as well. Yeah, so I, I've been surprised. I think I definitely see the theory of it. And it's very interesting because the Spurs have always been innovators in some ways in basketball and like kind of very old school and others, you know, there is definitely a sense of this is how the game is meant to be played and they kind of follow those rules, you know, and so I just didn't think they were going to get to non-traditional point guard Mm -hmm. so quickly. Uh, but it actually makes a lot of sense. You know, I, um, I was thinking recently about how offense works in today's NBA and, uh, Gibson Piper half court hoops has like a really great video about like the evolution of five out offense. And, you know, a lot of the times today it's not, you know, a floor general pounding the air out of the ball, trying to create a good matchup and then passing out. So it's like, you know, a player throws it ahead. Then the ball gets reversed to the other side, a couple of drag screens, you know, this other player, you know, it's, it's a lot of like players making reads, a lot of off ball screens, you know? So mm-hmm. when we say Sohan is the point guard, you know, a lot of the times his, his whole action on this play is, he throws the ball to Vassell and then sets a screen, you know, or, or sometimes he is running a pick and roll. But I think that the way that NBA offense runs nowadays, it's a lot less of that floor general setting the table kind of style. And it's a lot, uh, it's a lot less of that. And it's a lot more of, you know, we have five players out there who can all think at a high level and, and pass at least adequately. And, 
we're going to just kind of run a big series of passing the ball, screens, cuts, and then we're trying to find an advantage somewhere in there. And there's a select few players that are going to be the ones that are going to isolate more. And, you know, that lineup that we're looking at, they have that. They have the high general basketball IQ across all the players. They have players who can pass. Um, you know, they have players like Keldon. His two biggest things on offense is, are his spot-up shooting and his drives. You know, so he's a player who I think last year was really hurt by the fact that he was kind of the main guy, and he's going to be benefited a lot more that people are going to be drawing attention off of him this year and towards Wimby and Vassell and all that. So, so I think, you know, point guard is such a weird phrase today. I think it's more of how it is. I, it obviously was very good, you know, like it, I, I was a degenerate and I was looking at plus-minus numbers mm -hmm. uh, for like preseason lineups. Uh, which which feels like the height of degeneracy, like I said. Uh, but I I was very impressed. Like that lineup was doing numbers, and um, I think that it will continue to do so. But I think kind of as you were hinting at, there there's some optionality that they have too if it's not working. So I, I think it's kind of the best of both worlds in that regard. Ben, what have you thought about Pop going to this you know big lineup so early on in the season and going away from a traditional point guard like like a Trey Jones? Yeah, this is a jumbo lineup for sure. I mean, your shortest guy is 6'5", and that's Devin Vassell and Kellen Johnson. Um, but it's like Colin said, if you got guys who can handle the, you got a couple guys who can handle the ball, everybody else knows how to play the game. You're moving the way you're supposed to move. You're setting screens, whatever, you get, whatever you're supposed to be doing, and you're doing it at a, at a good to high level, you can be successful. Um, I have a sneaking suspicion that Jeremy Sohan will not be the starting point guard mm -hmm. um, for all of this season. Okay. Um, I think it, I think Trey Jones will eventually become the starter just because I think there's there's probably going to be a bit of a lull or there's going to be a stall where people have figured it out and they're going to say, all right, Jeremy Sohan's your point guard at 6'8 or 6'9, but who is he guarding? Can he guard our point guard? Or, or you know, is that Keldon? Is that Devin? And even if they're guarding one of the point guards, who does that leave defensively elsewhere, I guess, is really the question. Um so I think it'll I think it'll be a nice experiment to start the season. I could see it going 20 or 30 games. And I think eventually Trey Jones, the traditional point guard, will eventually make his way to the starting lineup. And um I think that also goes to show that there is a really big, glaring hole at at the depth of the point guard position. I mean, Trey Jones. I mean, I thought the way Trey Jones played last year, he was the clear-cut number one choice for point guard for this team mm -hmm. going forward until, of course, they they ended up drafting somebody or whatever it may be, or they traded, whatever. But trotting out Sohan, who they experimented at with point guard last year, mm -hmm. I thought it was a bit of a risk considering he, he seemed to struggle a lot when he was the focal point of the offense. And I think having Victor Wembanyama on your team will change a lot of that. Um, like Colin said, Keldon a lot of last year was the guy. Keldon won't have to be the guy. Jeremy Sohan won't have ball handling duties on his own. So there's a lot of things that can get spread out to other guys who are starting in that five. So it's it's it should be a fun experiment. And I think fans should treat it as such. Don't don't think, oh, this is the end all be all. Oh, this is what they're going to do all season. It's going to be the worst. I don't think they're going to do that all season, uh, especially if you know, they're not really trying to win right now. I mean, we talked about this before the pod, but, you know, 29 and a half wins, I think Vegas had the Spurs team at. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to go above that. I mean, there's a lot of people who think that this team is going to 
compete for a play-in spot. I don't quite know if they're there. Um, I think it really depends on how the rest of the West looks because I could see some teams being completely dysfunctional and, and losing games they have no business losing. I mean, I can see with the way the Memphis offseason has gone, Yikes. I could see them being terrible to start the season. I mean, no job for 25 games. You've lost Steven Adams for the whole season. I mean, there's just a lot of bad things happening there. Yeah. Um, and something you just hinted there was like something that I, I, I discussed last week, which is like my 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 question is, like you said, it's, it's more of an experiment to starting five. And if things start don't start going so well um, after a while, you know, how many games is my question is how many games does pop, you know, want to see before he starts, you know, making some changes. And I would think it's about 20, 30, like you said there now. What you just said also, Ben, was that Papa also gave some comments before that Warriors game where he basically said that that starting group, they're not going to, it's not set in stone that they're going to be the starting group permanently for the rest of the season. The long-term was it were his words, I believe. And so he had an interesting lineup toward the end of the first half in that game against the Warriors where I'm calling this maybe the future five where, uh, where he had Trey Jones at the point. He had Devin Vassell at the two, Jeremy Sohan now at the three, Wemby at the four, and then Zach Collins at the five. And then of course, you know, who's missing from that lineup is Kelton. So then you can maybe possibly look at Kelton being a six man. Colin, what do you think about that, that group that popped uh, had out there in those final three minutes against the Warriors? Yeah. So I think the number one thing that I think is missing from the first lineup is the ability to, keep a dribble alive in traffic and navigate tight spaces, which I think Trey Jones is very good at. And I think Devin Vassell is probably the number two person in that lineup, but definitely is a rung below in terms of that ability. And I think when it comes to Jeremy Sohan being a point guard, uh, I think there's a lot of things he can do well, but, you know, maintaining a tight dribble when there's two players around you and you're in the key and then pulling up and hitting that foot, like that's something that Trey Jones is going to make an NBA living off of. Like that's something he's very skilled at. And I, I just think that that ability to get that level of penetration, you know, it's it's very interesting because we talk about having shooters on the floor. And I think if they're not going to have, you know, some of these players are like, are they plus shooters? It depends on the night. I don't know. Sometimes they're minus shooters. You know, some some game Wimby will hit three for five and then some he'll be one for seven. Mm -hmm. uh, and the exact same as that Collins. And I think you need someone who can put pressure on the rim by just their ability to put the ball on the floor and drive towards the rim. And that's not quite where Sohan is yet. And I think that Sohan and Vassell might develop into that player, but I think that that Trey Jones already has that skill. Um, you know, when I think of, you know, I put a poll out on Twitter that was saying who, who do Spurs fans think that the best pick and roll ball handler is. Um, and it was really split between Devin Vassell and Trey Jones. Someone mentioned that they felt like Devin can kind of, hit from all three levels so like he can pull up and shoot from anywhere which i thought was a good point but for me it's more of like if he's going to put the ball on the floor and drive trey jones you know he's going to be able to create an advantage and now you get the defense in rotation well what happens if the defense is in rotation and you're passing it to wimby you know like what happens then like now you have a, a open wimby like that's just game over or you know they pass they rotate to him and then he hits collins who dunks or whatever so like i, I do think that there are big advantages to having the kind of player who can get to the rim and threaten teams at the rim more frequently. And I think that's going to be the toggle is like, do we need size tonight or do we need someone who can really put that pressure on the rim, you know, from a drive from the outside. So I think I, I do wonder if, if when we talk about long-term, I do wonder how, like, is it going to be a, Oh, well, this isn't working. So we're going to switch or is it going to be a, this team 
is not great at rim protection. So we're going to have Trey Jones be the starter tonight and put a ton of pressure on them versus, you know, this team, um, that size is going to be really helpful. Like it might be a thing where it's whichever one is more successful, or it might just be, we're just going to go with whatever we think is going to work best against that team tonight. Okay. Some more matchup dependent possibly, you know? So yeah, that's something to look forward to. So yeah, that'll be interesting. Again, pop hasn't quite, um, you know, said that's going to be the group that's going to play yet. So um, again, again, I think about what Ben said too, like there's going to be some sort of sample size of Spurs need to see first with that initial starting group. And then maybe they'll get the tinkering to, to go to those other lineups. Everybody in your crew identifies as either big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich, but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, so now our next topic, let's talk about finalizing the regular season roster. So the Spurs made a few moves this past week before the season officially begins. Uh, the first move let's talk about is Zach Collins getting his contract extension. So earlier this week, the Spurs signed Zach Collins to a two-year, $35 million contract extension. Um, just for some cap nerdery here, the way they did this was they used a new CBA by signing him at the average player salary, which is $11.9 million um, at 140% with 8% raises. So that means that Zach's going to make $16.7 million this next season. That's 12% of the cap, so a good deal. And then the following season, $18.1 million. Again, still 12% of the cap because it's rising. So not a bad deal. Again, 12% of the cap for, for each of those two years. Uh, this still leaves the Spurs with the possibilities of opening up some cap space. They can open between 79 and $22.1 million next summer, uh, depending on what they do with their own free agents, with players on non-guaranteed deals, and then also their other potential one, two, three first-round picks that they may have uh, next offseason. Uh, ben, what did you think about Zach getting this contract extension? Love it. I thought it was very team-friendly. Um, I thought it actually looked very good, because I think later that day, Onyeka Okongwu signed a similar deal for mm -hmm. Atlanta, but Atlanta locked him in at four years. It was four years, 62 mil. So you're talking two years, 35 for Zach Collins, who seems, knock on wood, mm -hmm. to have gotten over the injury bugs and is going to be a big part of this team. And by only assigning him to two years, if you're in Spurs, you can say, yeah, we want you to keep keep rolling with Wimbin Yama in our timeline or we're going to move off this contract and we're going to free up some, we're going to have free space in the new, you know, with whatever the salary cap is that year. And we'll be able to sign a couple people. Um, so I think I thought it was great for him. I thought it was great for the Spurs. I mean, Zach Collins, I think deserves to get paid. He absolutely deserved that payday. I think it's great for him. Um, and I think it also happens to be fairly team friendly. So, you know, for me, it works out all across the board. Okay. Colin, what were your thoughts there? Yeah, normally, you know, we do a lot of cap analysis. I appreciate that you have the percentage of the cap because things are rising so much that people are overreacting to numbers nowadays uh, a little bit more than they should be. But I think, you know, this is an analysis financially. This is an analysis on the court. But, you know, seeing that, I was happy for him because he did have the injury bug, like Ben was talking about. He he really fought through a lot of the stuff. Pop talked about how diligent he was in his rehab process. Mm -hmm. He was willing to come to a situation where he had one guaranteed year and then two more non-guaranteed years uh, in San Antonio. Like, obviously that's a good place to go in terms of rehabbing your value and rehabbing that. But he did all of the right steps and he put in all of the work. And his reward is if, if Wimby's career is anything like what we think it's going to be, 
right? Like the storied career that people are talking about and part of the story of the NBA, his reward for all this hard work he put in is he's going to be the running mate with Wimby, at least in his first three years and maybe beyond, you know, and like mm-hmm. to put yourself in that place in history where, you know, players like Zach Collins, that skill level there, it's amazing. It's, you know, maybe one of the a hundred best players ever, not ever, but of uh, in the NBA right now or in basketball right now, 150, 200, whatever, you know, if there's 200 people better than him at basketball, there's not more than that. And he is going to have his name in history forever as the guy who's like, Victor Wimignano's running weight because of the hard work that he put in. So I think, you know, that's not normally the kind of analysis I go for, but when I saw that, I was like, okay, he's in a situation where, you know, I think it works for him and the team, but he's also kind of like cementing this kind of legacy for himself where people are going to be talking about like, oh, well, Zach Collins, the first three years, you know, which I think is cool. He put in a lot of hard work and I'm glad that he was able to find this for himself that maybe is going to keep him remembered for a while. Okay. Yeah. Just like Oberto of our time. There you go. So, got Absolutely. To mention in this. There you go. Yeah. And like, like you guys said, you know, 12% of the cow, that's a good deal. Um, You know, any day of the week right there, especially, you know, good job there by Zach. All right. So let's, let's move on to the last two um, moves that they made. So, um, so they, they also exercised some team options for some players for next season. And that's uh, Jeremy Sohan, you know, not, not surprising Malachi Branham, not surprising, uh, but Blake Wesley was the player to watch there in, in that team option. They did exercise the option for him because like, as we've seen now that Jeremy Sohan starting at the point and then Trey Jones is the backup point guard. We've seen that, that Blake Wesley has been relegated to the third point guard duties, which means he probably won't play unless some, um, you know, it's like a blowout for either team. Um, and and he's had a pretty good preseason for what it looked like initially, but we we know he struggled a little bit in summer league. Uh, were either of y'all surprised, or you expected Wesley to get that um that 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 team option guaranteed? Uh, ben, Ben, start with you. Um, I didn't really have any expectations mm-hmm. at all, to be honest. I figured if the Spurs were going to extend one, they might extend all, just because let's try and keep these guys together and see what we can get out of them. I mean, I think they have. They obviously have a much better idea of what they're getting in Jeremy Stohan, and they have a fairly decent idea of what Malachi Brandon looks like. I think they, I think they extended Wesley Blake Wesley just because they figured we got to see what else he's got. Yeah, and if he, mm-hmm. if it doesn't pan out, it's a cheap contract. We can get rid of it at some point. We can use it as throwing in a trade if we need to. Um, and if you're, and if you do like him, and if he, and he turns out to be. You know, God forbid something terrible happens to the point guard situation. He steps in and, and, you know, maybe he shows out and he shows you what he can really do. You've just secured him on the cheap for, you know, another couple of years. So why not? Okay. Colin, is that what you expected? Wesley to get that team option? Yeah, I think, you know, the fourth year team option is generally the one that's a little bit more like teams mm-hmm. will actually make a decision. I think that third year team option, when that gets declined, that's like, a disaster in drafting when a first year, like, like that's when, you know, okay, we whiffed on this pick. Like if, if a player is not even sticking around, like it's one year after they've been drafted and they're only going to be there for one more year. That's, that's generally reserved for that. And I don't think this was a disaster of a draft pick. I think, you know, that, that summer league had its ups and downs, but it it looks like he worked on a lot of the things Mm -hmm. that were made, you know, the ups were, were cool to watch. And some of the downs, he worked on some of those things and, and they were improved in the preseason. So I, I think that it's one of those things where, like I said, most of the time when you see a player not get that third year, it was like a huge miss in drafting. And I don't think we're at that point yet with this uh, okay. with this pick in Wesley. Yeah, exactly. I, I you know I expected that to happen as well, just because he had, he had a really good preseason too. And again, it's only it's only that third team option, not the fourth one yet. 
All right. So now um, our last part of, uh, about the roster is that Charles Bediaco, his training camp contract was converted to a two-way contract. So now the Spurs' two-way contracts are full with um, Charles Bediaco. They have Serge Jabari Rice and then Dominic Barlow now. So, so their entire roster is full and ready for the for the regular season. Ben, you um you, you watch more college basketball than, than Colin and I, obviously. But, you know, can you give us just a, a, a little bit of a drafting profile, I mean, scouting profile on Bediaco? Who was he as a player at Alabama last year? Sure. So seven footer, uh, relatively thin, really good athlete. I mean, he was, he was a defensive force for Alabama. He played there two years. Um, you know, spotlight was on that team last year as they had Brandon Miller on that team. So everybody was watching him. Um, he played very well. I think he, I believe he made all SEC defensive team first team. Um, and he's got, you know, he's got long arms, jumps really well. Defense first guy has a lot of offense to work on right now. Um, a lot of a lot of his points are probably going to be kind of garbage cleanup type stuff around the rim. Mm-hmm. Finishes well around the rim, um, but you know, no no jumper to speak of. In fact, his free throw percentage got worse in his second year. But I think that was because it was an incredibly low volume. I mean, we're talking. I think he was he was just a little over sixty percent. He dropped down to thirty five percent. But I think it's because he just didn't take that many free throws. He wouldn't have the opportunity because there were three or four other guys on that team who were getting way higher usage. So they were, they were seeing the line a lot more than he was, but um, a good G league guy. I think he's going to spend a lot of his time in Austin and mm-hmm. he'll get called up in emergency duty, but I imagine Dominic Barlow is going to get called up before he does. So Betty might find himself as the starter in Austin on quite a few nights. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. And again, uh, if depending on how the Spurs season goes, we see that they're struggling, you know, toward the end of the year, maybe they'll give him more minutes uh, with the San Antonio team. But yeah, yeah again, uh, Barlow would definitely be ahead of him in the depth chart in case they call in the players up from Austin. All right. So now guys, our final topic, let's talk about the first three games to begin the regular season uh, coming up here in this, in this first weekend or first weekend, weekend, uh, weekend. Yeah. Okay. So they open the season on Wednesday uh, against the Dallas Mavericks in San Antonio. Uh, Zach Collins is questionable. This just came out earlier today with a non-COVID illness. So again, we'll see if um, if Zach's going to be available. Also, uh, I believe Luka Doncic is um, is questionable as well to play in this first game. Then on Friday, the Spurs host the Houston Rockets, who they played twice in the preseason on for a regular season game. And then on Sunday, they take their first road trip to the West Coast, where they're going to be on the road against the Los Angeles Clippers. We do want to note that on that game on Sunday, Devontae Graham can officially rejoin the team because he will have served his two-game suspension to begin the season. So you don't talk about all those games. Um, Colin, just what interests you from either, you know, all three of those games or one of those games? What, what just interests you in the in, just in general from the, the slate of games? Yeah, definitely. Definitely tomorrow's game, uh, and we're recording this on Tuesday, the Wednesday game against Dallas. I think it's the first game of the regular season. I think that's always fun. I think, you know, we talked about it here in my household. We're going to make a little day of it, and we're going to get game day food. It's on ESPN. It's the first the first game with Wimby. There's a lot of excitement around that, and I think that that's kind of just a special time. You know, kind of like what I was talking about earlier. I think that for all of us, like, we really like to analyze the game, but sometimes it's really nice to sit back and just enjoy basketball. And uh, I think that the, it's also the most enjoyable game out of the three. The Clippers one scares me a little bit because I think that they're a team that could be really good. Like they have two players who are insane talents and they've just had terrible injury luck and some other things. And all of a sudden, if things click right for them, they could be a juggernaut. And the Rockets one is so devoid of joy. Talking about enjoying basketball, like that that feud between Rockets fans and Spurs fans over the summer, like completely sapped any care I have of this because I'm just like, there's going to be reactions and takes online and one of my best friends is a Rockets fan so I 
You know, that one is just, I think, especially with the two preseason games, like, they didn't play the preseason games, and it's like, oh, what's going to happen? That might be a little different, too. But tomorrow, the, the game on Wednesday against Dallas, I think, is going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of hype around it. ESPN game. So I just hope it's one where, like, all of the players are able to play yeah. to their best because there's going to be some good players on display. Okay. Ben, what are, you, are you looking for, what are you looking forward to in these slated games? I'm looking forward to Luka Doncic not playing. That's what I'm looking forward to. Um, actually, I would I could do with a lot less of Kyrie Irving too, but that's more of a personal matter. Um, yeah, I think I I really just want to see how Wembenyama plays in like first real NBA action mm-hmm. where where the score counts, where things you do on the court count, and how he reacts to any and every situation. Um, you know, he seems mature beyond his years, which is great. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to have a blow up and get attacked in those first three days. Watch, I say that and like something absolutely stupid is going to happen. But um, it's really it's really funny because some of the quotes that have come out during the offseason was like, yeah, I'm ready to back up Wimbanyama when they inevitably like take their shots at him. Like, oh, my God, we're already starting like blood feuds here. This is crazy. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just I just watching him and seeing how this team comes together. I really hope Zach Collins does play. I like. I mean, I enjoy watching him play, and I'm very curious to see how he looks at five with Wembenyama at four, and if that even really matters, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of stuff is going to be fairly switchable with Wembenyama. So, um, yeah, for me, just watching the games, period. I mean, that that game against the Clippers, like Colin said, very good game. It's on the road. I would love to see how Wembenyama plays in that kind of environment. Okay, so uh, regarding the the Dallas and Clippers game, I actually am hoping Luca plays just because I want to see Wemby against some of the best talent in the NBA. I want to see him against Kyrie and Luca. I want to see him against Paul George and Kawhi. I just want to see where kind of he stacks up there. I know he won't be guarding them like on every possession. Just you know, how is it with him on the floor? Like we saw that the other night with him on the floor with Steph and, and Clay. So that's one thing on those two games. And then against the Rockets, it's more for me a measure of like where's the talent level of the Spurs team? Cause like them and the Rockets are kind of close in where they're expected to win games uh, very close. Similar. So like, are the Spurs, you know, that much better? Or are they just like right there with the Rockets? You know, that's kind of when they played like those, those teams who maybe don't get a lot of the flair. I, I do want to see that as like where stacking up talent wise, where are they compared to some of those other teams? So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to these first three games to begin the regular season for the Spurs. All right. So uh, thank you to Colin and Ben for joining me here on this episode of the Spurs cast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe rate and review on your favorite podcast apps. This episode was written, recorded, and produced by Paul Garcia. Music for this episode was written by Vincent Garcia and Paul Garcia. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe and have a great day.